Welcome to the Holistic Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Ann Marsden. And on today's show, I am joined by Marissa Morris, and we take quite an adventure during our conversation today. It's an extra long episode, chock full of all kinds of universal truths and wisdom. We are joined by our higher selves, by guides, and Marissa explains so many phenomenon, as well as adding in her personal stories that you will be truly blessed by this conversation. So join us for this adventure. Here we go. Hello, hello. On today's show, I have with me best-selling Hay House author and host of the number one Hay House radio show, Discovering Intuition with Marissa Morris, Clear Channel, Healer of Healers, Marissa Morris, who focuses on helping others connect to their higher self, and she teaches people how to develop their intuition. And in addition to that, She's a mom of two beautiful children. Thank you for joining us today, Marissa. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I actually feel pretty honored. This is my first interview I've done in a long time. I've been slaying diapers and and, and taking care of two kids that are extremely competitive for mom's <laughs> attention for the last three years uh, since I had two, because I had two in under two years. So I'm finally getting back on the horse and getting out there into the world and wanting to, to start teaching again. So this is going to be fun. Yes, it is. And we're so glad to have you here since you're starting back out on a new journey. And you and I have talked before we started rolling today, and we decided that we're just going to go au natural, call in the guides and see what comes. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important a lot of the times to explain to people like what guides are, because I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times people will go like, well, what, what is a guide? And I've come to find over the years, because I, I tend to demystify kind of like the mystical, which is kind of like a bummer for people that are mediums and, and, you know, channelers that turn their voice into Irish accents that sound like <laughs> aliens. And, you know, it's like, what, what alien has an Irish accent, you know, if the person's an American, like, um, so it's like, it, it's, um, I, I don't make fun of the new age or anything like that, but it's more like I kind of like pull the covers back on, on a lot of that stuff. So to me, I feel like guides, a lot of it's stored in our DNA. It's, it's a lot of information that comes in our DNA. So we may see an ancestor coming forward when in reality, it's, it's like a, something that's stored within our DNA that our ancestor had gone through and it's coming through as an animated like person, you know, if you're clairvoyant and you can see stuff, most people can just kind of hear like their own voice in their head um, as a, a guide directing them. But that's one of the biggest questions I get people ask is like, well, what's a guide? Like, what, what is it? Is it an animal? Is it a, is it a, you know, is it a spirit animal? Is it a, you know, is it an angel? Is it a person? And it's really, it's really an energy and it's a, it's a source of information, like a hard drive really that's stored within us. Um, there's spirit guides that are, that are not part of us. Um, but I focus a lot on connecting people with their internal guidance that they came that they came in with um which would be like their higher self that lives outside of this reality that doesn't get affected by the media and drama and your kid kicking you in your tooth when you just got the cavity filled yesterday my son did that this morning i was like 
you kicked me right in the face when I was trying to get a shoe on. But, you know, that's a piece of us that just has never been tainted, tainted by the, tainted by the world. And that, that higher self will come through to people sometimes is like Jesus. If their beliefs are, you know, they, they trust Jesus or if they trust uh, Buddha or, or St. Francis or St. Germain or whatever, um, our higher self will kind of come through as, as one of those beings that, that, that we trust. So, so that's kind of a guide. Our guide is basically our, our, our God self disguised as all these different, um, beings and stuff. So we're calling in our higher self and they're ready to talk. And, um, and I'm what's called a trance channel, which means I won't remember anything that we talk about after this. I'll sound like I do. And I'll tell personal stories about myself and everything. And then I'll watch this later and go like, oh, God, why did I share that? Oh, God, <laughs> I don't remember. So I'm one of the only trance channels. There's a few others that I think are legit that I've, I've kind of looked around to find. But um, I, I got signed for my Hay House contract, not being an author. First time, first person ever to not be an author, to get signed for a two book contract with a course, three book, like um, card decks, all this stuff and a radio show um, for three years, not being a radio show host because they were like, wow, we found a trans channel. We found something that's actually like, doesn't know anything, doesn't have any beliefs. Because <laughs> that's really important in being a trans channel is, is that I don't have any beliefs. I'm like this, like, like, you know, Encinitas beach girl that grew up, that dropped out of college, that was on drugs, that got clean, that, you know, I wasn't, I, I didn't have a lot of education as far as college goes. So there's nothing really to kind of like block what's, what's coming through. But the stuff that I've channeled, has been like, it's been like crazy, like stuff that like I could have like never known. So anyway, so I'm going to let my higher self talk because they say they want to give a message to to us and and tell us what our purpose is. Um, so they're saying what we'd like to bring into this conversation today is a need to bring an understanding to each individual that's listening to this today that they do have a piece of them that knows it all. They do have a piece of them that they should not doubt. And they do have a piece of them that has all the spiritual quote unquote gifts that people speak of. Many people will go out searching, searching for where we go when we leave here, where we came from before we were here. And the truth is, we won't truly know. And we can tell you, but will you believe us? Probably not. So the key is living a life where you feel as if you're in heaven now, where you feel as if you are creating your reality, you're creating your purpose, and you're living a life where you don't feel as if you're chained to a certain purpose because somebody told you, oh, this is your purpose. We would like for people to understand that each day is a new day. Every day is a new day. And to try not to hang on to the identities of the past and try not to hang on to things that others told them that they needed to be. This is the thing that is holding the world back right now is people's expectations for themselves based on what parents told them, based on what coaches told them, based on what the media has told them, based on expectations or shame or blame or guilt coming from society at this time and wanting to be a good person. If you are a good person, you don't need to try to be a good person. You just are. So many people are being made to think that they're not a good person, that they're not doing what they need to do. So they're highly affected by shame games, by the fear games, and by putting themselves into more of a herd mentality. And the message that's coming from spirit at this time is to be a me, to be an individual that can stand tall, but stand together with other individuals, but not become a collective, not become a herd. Because when this happens, you lose the connection to the piece of you that knows everything because you now have made the group consciousness 
your higher self. And this is where the world is headed right now. And we will not say it's doom and gloom. It's all bad or all good because there really is no good or bad. But we can say that most human beings living at this time would like to have their own mind and don't want to be controlled by what everybody else thinks about something. So the two of you together speaking about understanding the human body, understanding the way that we connect to the spirit and the soul inside of us can truly bring some insight into people so that they can begin to understand and know what their purpose is just by merely asking this question. What is it that you've always wanted to do? Who told you that you always wanted to do it? And what is it that you have really always wanted to do and can see in this part of your mind yourself doing, whether it's being on stage, whether it's being a stay-at-home mom, whether it's being a teacher, everybody knows exactly what it is they need to do in their life. We spend all of our time each day talking ourselves out of our purpose, and it's time for us to get to it and have people start living their purpose because many people are just living in the shadows of themselves in fear. And this is something that we don't like. That was your higher self. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I won't even try and say all of that again, but I, okay. <laughs> yeah, just ask. Give gist. I'll give you the gist, which, well, I mean, I'll try and give you the gist. It, the ending part was really probably a good place to start was talking about people know what they really want to do. People know oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, who they, who they are. And you have to start questioning who, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? Who told you that? And, and come to terms with the fact that we often talk ourselves out of our purpose. And that was one big point. Another one that I loved was, you know, be a me, be a me stand oh. Tall. I know. Isn't that lovely? Be a me. I love that. I wrote that down. I loved it so much. Stand tall and together, but not as part of the herd because you have your own mind and you need to, to be connected to that. And that you and I today are going to talk about um, helping people to connect to their spirit and to their body and understanding that, that they can create heaven now that they can connect to themselves and to their own power and teach people how to do that. And and there's so many people misled by, by kind of the new age movement of like, you know, a lot of people were raised in religion and, and they're like, we'll turn away from religion and go straight to new age. Like me. Um, I didn't have these abilities forever. I had a car accident in 2008, ended up outside my body, watching myself drown in my brand new Mercedes. I was a successful mortgage broker. So I'm looking at myself and I'm going like, hmm, that sucks for her. I'm looking at a girl who looks just like me with green eyes, long blonde hair, and, and just kind of like two feet taller than me. And she'd put her hand on my shoulder and she would talk to me through her hand in my shoulder. Like she wasn't moving her mouth. And she was like, you've got too many people to help. You have to go back. And I was like, F that I'm not going back. I don't want to be her anymore. Like I was just like, I mean, I was like total pirate, like that's talking like a pirate. I don't want to be her. It's going to happen again. What, I, what happened was I had a seizure induced car accident and ran into a fire hydrant, fire hydrant filled up the car. I almost drowned. So luckily the sunroof was open. So anyways, they pried the door open, got me out. And I had absolutely no remorse or sadness towards my family. I wasn't like, you know, oh, my family's going to be so sad. I wasn't like all, oh no, look at me down there. I was not me. I was something else or someone else. And that girl that was next to me was me. I mean, she was just like way more bomb looking. I mean, she was like perfect shape, <laughs> green eyes that I always wanted. You know, I think they're green and blue, like changing. And I was like, dude, you're really hot. <laughs> you know, but I'm sopping wet down there, laying on the ground and they're bringing me back to life. And 
it was, I had a major head injury because they arrested me thinking I was a drunk student because I was right in front of the university. So I had had DUIs. I'd been to jail. I'd you know, taken a drug charge for a boyfriend that I was highly, highly um, enabler for him. You know, it's like, I did anything for him. He ended up passing away. And the reason why I had the accident was because I kind of went nuts and I stopped taking my seizure medication. I started taking a little bit more pain medication than I was supposed to and that it caused seizures. So that's why I had the seizure because, because Jason had died and I felt like it was my fault. So, so I was going through like that trauma, but that accident changed pretty much everything for me because I realized that I wasn't me. It's like, okay, well, who am I then? Who was the girl that was like cursing up there? Cause I don't even cuss. Like I'm not a cusser. <laughs> you know, she was like irate. And who is that? Cause she looks like me. And then I had a ball over there to like my left-hand side that I think maybe was maybe Christ or Jesus or a guide or something. I still haven't figured it out, but it was like, I was watching the accident from above and, but I had a head injury cause I woke up in handcuffs in the back of the car and I started banging my head against the, 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 Blast going, let me out of here. I didn't know where I was. So instead of like soothing me out of the seizure and going, okay, you had a seizure, your car is total. You know, it's like, they were just like, you're arrested. So, so anyways, they took me in and everything. So I didn't really think too much of the vision that I had. I just figured I was hallucinating. I lost my memory. Um, and all I could remember was all the bad things about my life. I lost my marketing company. Um, everything just started going haywire in my life. Me and my dad couldn't get along. We were business partners. So we kind of like split ways. And, um, we split ways after I totaled his car in 2009, uh, January, 2009, I was driving his car. Don't ask me how I convinced him into letting me drive it without a license, but I was, mm-hmm. and so I was driving his car, felt a seizure coming on, no head injury, no crash car. I just pulled over and I ended up outside the car again and looking down. I just went, I told you guys, she's going to do it again. Now her dad's not going to talk to her. The market's going to tank. And they're like, she was like, hand on my shoulder, like you have too much to do to help the world. And I was like, what help them raise their interest rates and lose their homes. The markets crash. She's going to be broke. She has nothing. You know, she's not going to have her dad. And I was so mad. I was so mad. And that me was like, so like, like chill and like calm. And I was a very angry person, like very defensive, anything anyone said, you know, I was always like, rah, rah, rah. or like, you know, if somebody got in front of me on the freeway, I would like be that person that would swerve in front of them and be like, how dare them get in front of me and then slam on my brakes and like, be like, that's what you get. You know, I was just very, like, just very angry. I was very, very angry. Um, and after that accident, I wrote down everything that I remember. And I remember my husband, cause I was fighting the first DUI, which ended up being a wet and reckless because I was not on my seizure medication. They made not being on something being like a wet and reckless. Cause I was supposed to be on seizure medication. Wow. My husband had me pull the police reports. And what happened was I noticed that the stuff I wrote down that I remembered about the accident was the witnesses that gave statements. I had their outfits written down and, you know, they'll write like man and, you know, red cap with a blue shirt. And I went, Oh my gosh, there is like something to this. I think that there might be something outside of just that fleshy me that was laying on the ground. Like, you know, I didn't have a near death. I had an out-of-body experience. A lot of people have like near-death experiences. Mine was more of like an out-of-body. And ever since that accident, I've been able to go into that place where, you know, I'm like up above me. And, and it's, they've said, you know, guys have told me that that's kind of my gift. My gift is that I'm willing to look stupid. <laughs> you know, like I'm willing to just let like my higher self speak through me. That was, I believe my higher self or, you know, an angel or something. And, and my ability to actually leave my body is, is kind of like my gift or whatever. Um, through that, I've, I just started searching for who I was. And I found that most people on the planet want to know who they are. Right. It's like, it's like, we want to know who we are, whether, and we'll listen to anybody. 
you know, we'll listen to anybody that tells us we'll have some like crackpot telling us that, oh, you were a zebra in a past life and you had this. And it's like, you're like, oh, I was a zebra. You're like looking it up. What does that mean? You know, it's like I had this one guy hitting on me at a, at a spiritual class when I was learning how to be a medium because I was so mad that the Christian church kicked us out because I was seeing spirits and because I was raised Christian. They kicked us out because um, they were scared of me. So I was like, well, then screw them. I'm going to go become a medium. So I went to the spiritual church and got trained. This guy was like, oh, you're you're an angel. He was like totally hitting on me. Now looking back, you know, but I was like, oh, I'm an angel. So I went off and I started looking up, you know, all this. I found that most people most of their misinformation comes from other students in the class when they're taking classes, you know, people that kind of share their wisdom without really being asked for it. But but our purpose I found over the last what 12 years um, in every single day asking, who am I? 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 Um, I found that the, all of those are me, you know, all of those are our versions of me, but the, the me that I truly am is, is, is like this witness that stands outside of that whole reality, the, the eyes of, of, of the witness and, and in being able to get into that. And it's just so easy. That's what I teach people how to do is to kind of, step out of themselves. They don't have to astral travel, you know, go out of their body and do all this shamanic stuff, which I know how to do because I do shamanic healing or I went through that phase. And um, I've kind of gone through all the different phases of all the different types of spiritual healing and stuff. But I found it's it, the simplest way to get people to understand who they are is, is to just ask them, you know, what is it that you want to be? And as long as it's not what someone else has told them, that's likely what they want to be. And it can change every day too. You know, people think if, oh, that's my purpose, but it can change all the time. You know, it can change and take on different forms and it's okay to not be what we're supposed to be in seven years right now. And, and that's what I try and try and teach people by connecting them to their higher self and allowing them to expand into that. And people are probably thinking like expand into what, how do I do that? It's like, just think of it this way. Think of your 13 year old self, if you could go back and give your 13 year old self advice, you know, what would you give your 13 year old self advice about your higher self is like your future you that knows everything that's going to happen. So by being able to connect to that, you, which I believe is already in us, it's in our brain. It's, it's already, you know, it's there, it's inside of our body. It's not out there. Um, I, I believe that anybody who connects in their higher self, we can ask for advice from basically our future self and say, Hey, what's going to happen if I do this or what's going to happen? Cause, um, I think that that most of our trauma and most of the things that 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 hurt us in this life is the unknowing, right? Don't you think it's like when you don't know what's going to happen? Um, so a lot of people go to psychics to find out what's going to happen, and most psychics are not very good. <laughs> Sorry, psychics. Most of them just read themselves because the first thing you see when you start reading energy is your own energy. And then you see the other person's, if you can go up into a high, higher state of consciousness. So, so um, yeah, so, so our purpose is already in us and same with our gifts too. And I tell people, um, if you're like listening to this today and you were drawn to this for no apparent reason, it's likely means that you have spiritual gifts that you haven't like really learned about. And you're probably diagnosing them as anxieties um, as, you know, bipolar. I they, they diagnosed me as bipolar and depression and ADD. That was my diagnosis and just come to find out I'm empathic, I'm a medium and I'm a healer and I'm a channel, you know? So I think a lot of spiritual gifts have, have turned into physical, like, I mean, you're, you're a psych psychologist. Are you psychiatrist? Psychologist. You're a psychologist. Psychologist. Yeah. yeah. So psychologists, do you guys love to give diagnosis to, cause it explains it, or is it just more of like a, um, 
just a way to explain it, right? Because there's like a diagnosis for like everything, really. I would say I'm probably very different than most people in my field. Yeah. I would, and I'm different than when I was originally trained. When I was originally trained, putting a, and, I, and I'm saying using these words on purpose, putting a diagnosis on someone, putting a label on someone was a way that we were taught to communicate to other professionals. And it was also a way for us to try and figure out how to treat people. You know, what treatment are you going to use? And there is some value in that, but where I am at my point in my life now, I find I don't really like to use labels because it puts people in a box. They start to identify with it. Sometimes it helps people understand things, but I find in general that using those labels often blocks people from really connecting with their authentic self because they Mm -hmm. start connecting with the diagnosis. They start connecting with this. And as a psychologist, the theory is that the label gives you the treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And for me, it does not. The label is not where I come from. I come Mm -hmm. from connecting to the person, understanding them in the way that I understand them and coming up with the treatment plan based on um, two things, my knowledge base, but also my intuition. Yeah. And my understanding of who they are in this moment and who they're, they're trying to be and what I can bring to help them. A lot of what I do is exactly what we're talking about is trying to teach people to come back into themselves, to be comfortable, to get through the discomfort of being outside of themselves and in fear and all those other emotions and move to understanding that the, that the divine spark is within them, that they have all the answers. Like you're saying, everything is within them. Mm-hmm. And that if they can learn to connect to that, then they can find wholeness and they can find health and healing and a really incredible life. And I think that a lot of people are afraid of that because yes. when we become something, that's not what our parents told us to be, or like in one of my books, I think it's a tune in my book, attunement through Hey house that the first, the beginning of the book starts out is like, are all of your memories your own or are they what your parents told the most? You know, oh yeah, you used to sit at the top of the slide and boss everybody around. Like, I remember that as a memory only because my dad always tells that, you know, it's it's like, I don't really, really remember being two and doing that, you know? So it's like, it's almost like the stories that our family tells the most become kind of like our identity of who we are. And when we become something that's not that, they, they're they like, oh, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of us fall back into kind of like that inner child, that inner teenager. And because we want, we don't want our, our parents or our families to be unhappy with us. And, and that's one of the things that one of my friends that passed away, he taught me everything I know about Chinese astrology. His name's Gary. And he said, Marissa, just remember this. Your dad thinks you're a liar. He thinks you're this. He calls you that. He doesn't want you to be, but that's what he's afraid of because he was lied to by a woman and this and that. So he was seeing me as a woman, not as his daughter, you know, and, and he had these issues, but you want to please him so bad that you'll be the negative thing that he thinks you are. And that's how people are. You don't want to let your parents down. So sometimes you'll be exactly what they need you to be in order for them to feel, you know, comfortable with being not intimidated by you and and stuff like that. In fact, I experienced a lot of that when I got signed with Hay House. Um, When I got signed with Hay House, I had all of my friends turn on me and I had my family even treat me like I was some like snobby, like elitist person. When most people here don't even know what Hay House is, but if you're a mind, body, spirit 
author or someone that it's like, it's like, wow, I made it to Hay House, you know? Um, so, so I kind of like went through that whole like metamorphosis of like, okay, do I plug into the diagnosis of being an author and a this and a that, you know, or do I just continue being me? And I tried as hard as I could to just be me, but I noticed that people still judged me and stuff like that. And it made it very, very hard for me to continue to stay out there, which is probably why all the computers keep shutting down. (laughs) My fear of my family hating me because I'm back out there in the world and thinking that I'm somebody that I'm not. But um, what I'm hearing the guide saying is that, that people, um, we, we, most people they're saying, like you said, divine spark. I love that you said that the divine spark is what we truly are. We're that divine spark that kind of goes, I see it like a falling star, just kind of falling down into kind of like this soul. And then it sits in the soul and then the soul projects down this hologram of like a person. And then a little piece of the soul's brain and and heart go into the person and forgets that it's the soul and it has this amnesia and it forgets it has a soul plan. It forgets that we plan this whole life and everything, but, but that piece of us, the, 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 the divine spark that comes down like into us when we can reconnect to that. Oh my God. Oh my God. To me, I just came in They're like divine spark. Did you say divine spark? Oh my God. <laughs> I think that's what the episode is supposed to be called our divine spark. There you go. Literally, I just saw like 15 of you walk in and go divine spark, divine spark. It's about the divine spark. <laughs> because when you can become your divine spark, you're basically God. You're basically everything, your source. And you're like this little spark from source. I forgot what I was just saying, but the divine spark is, is what can move around within us and go everywhere and know anything and can be like, I'm me in 15 years. Show me what it feels like if I make this decision and you can actually feel it and sense it. And, and um, yeah, the divine spark, the divine spark is awesome. I love the divine spark. Well, that's where I have the sparks of wisdoms on spark of sparks of wisdom is like the takeaways on my show, just because I want people to connect to that spark. Yeah, awesome. look at her face. My, my newsletter called the Daily Spark, and oh, no. and then we made a joke one for the younger generation. I thought maybe it'd be funny, but then I my my fifteen year old's like, that's not funny. It was get lit. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> it's literature. I was starting yeah. in front of a, a publishing company and all that stuff, and I was like, let's do get lit. And she's like, that's not funny. I'm like, well, I was trying to be cool. I was trying to like you know fit in. She's like, that's so Gen X. And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I, you know what I say to my kids when they say stuff like that? I say, oh, well, I can only be me. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for being myself. I'll just have exactly. to remember what generation I'm from. And that's okay. I am me. And that's all I can be. Yeah, if I can really be generations. Me. Generations are like what the guides have shared with us. And this is super interesting is that each generation has its own soul. So, so like when people are identifying with like, say I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or I'm a this, or I'm pro-life or I'm, I'm, I'm pro-abortion or you know, whatever. They're saying that the most important thing right now is if you need to identify with like a herd, identify with your generation, because then you're identifying with this like massive soul that created this whole like 12, however many years, I think it's 12 year cycle of human beings. And it's the soul for every single person that's, that's born in that generation. So it helps you to tune into some, you know, wisdom and stuff like that. So um, that's one thing that I've been trying to work on lately is getting out kind of like the generational stuff, but I just can't seem to understand the Gen Z's. And I, I just, I just, I, I told my, my stepdaughter, I said, why are you playing that game? Like, do you win anything? Do you get points? She goes, no, I'm just playing it. I'm like, is it fun? She's like, yeah, we just play it to play. And I'm like, but you don't win anything. Like nobody's going to win or lose. And she goes, no, it's called like among us or something like that. It's oh, like yes. Yes. Yeah, my and, daughter and, has said that too. Yes. 
you know, I read the energy on that game and I told my, my younger kids, like, that's not a good game play because the amount of rejection that, that people feel when they, at this game, you have to call out like the imposter or like the, the helpers. And if you're not an imposter, but you get called an imposter, it's actually the same as being shunned at school. Like, like, do you understand the brain? So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, and, and they get like really, really, really hurt. And they're playing with strangers. That they don't even know, but what happens is they get like energetically corded to this stranger that could be some old dude living in his mom's basement playing for all they know. And then they actually stay physically corded to that person. So all these kids that are becoming suicidal these days, or they're just not feeling like themselves, or they're feeling like a million different people. It's because they're corded to all these people that they're playing video games with. It's, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty interesting because, because all these kids are operating at a soul level and they can get tied in that way. We would just kind of get irritated and annoyed and maybe get a cord, but, but with the kids between like 14 and 27, they said it's really um, affecting them like in a huge way, these group video games. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's fascinating. And I hadn't thought about the cording part because when I had come about it, she was supposedly just playing with other friends. But when I looked at it, I said, the energy was so negative. I was like, I'm sorry, it's got to go off your phone, deleted, done. You know, it's a lot, same thing with a lot of the TV shows, you know, they are really um, pulling up a lot of negative things and, and connecting the subconscious to things it doesn't need to be going to. That's, that's not helpful and creating mm-hmm. nightmares and just things that, are, that aren't, that aren't helpful. But back to what you were saying before, back when you were telling your own story, I just wanted to go back because mm-hmm. while you were talking, I was getting the message of that really sometimes in life, like in the story you were telling, we're afraid to shine the, our light. We're, you know, our spark, we're afraid to light it up and let people see that light. And like you were saying, you were, you were kind of covering it up because you, you were afraid of what people were going to see if they saw this big, beautiful light coming out of you when you became the Hay House author, when you mm-hmm. had these opportunities come because they're part of your purpose and, mm-hmm. and what your path is. And, and it become, it can become scary for us. You know, people don't realize how, how scary success is for most people. Oh, it's so freaky. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when people take what you say is God's word and you're me. <laughs> I get mad when people believe me. And that's one of my beliefs that I've tried to work on really, 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 really hard. And that's probably why I'm a trans channel still, because a lot of people can develop past trans channel and consciously channel. But I decided when I started channeling that I didn't want to remember, because if I remembered, I'd become, I was like a psycho stalking my clients after they were, I was like, why are you going back to him? They said not to go back to him. They're like, leave me alone, lady. You know, cause I'd see him on Facebook afterwards and stuff. After I hooked up with them and did healing, cause I was just so emotionally attached. So I just went, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I don't want to be conscious. I don't want to be aware of what I'm saying. And, and I've listened to recordings of stuff I've said to people. And it's like, I'm surprised I have teeth and, you know, don't have black eyes permanently because of the stuff that the higher self will bring into people that they know is true. But if somebody said it to them, you know, just like a, don't use your kids as a weapon with your, with your ex-husband to try and get more money and and don't turn your kids against their own father. And, you know, like if I would have said that, they probably would have smacked me, but when the guides say it, it it just comes through a lot more eloquently and nicer, but (laughs) you know, but yeah, it's, it's really scary for the success thing. And it's also a fear of having the success kind of like that, you know, it's better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. You know, it's kind of like, but like you should do that, but most people won't love because they don't want to lose it. And it's kind of like the success. You don't want to become successful. Like my mom said the worst possible thing to me last night. She goes, well, you reached your peak. Nobody can stay there, Marissa. And I was like, 
Thanks, oh, mom. No. <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm like, you know what? What tells you that the Hay House Radio Show, which is now an app, so now you can access like all all 150 radio shows on there, my books and stuff like that. Every author's books, every radio show you can access on their app. But it's like, what says that that was better than this now? You know, so it's kind of like the judgment and stuff that people that people have. It's hard, and I think a lot of people that are attracted probably to this show, especially this episode, will be people that are trying to shine their light and they're trying to either become a healer, they're trying to understand who they are, what they are, why they are, and how to get that out into the world. And and the thing is, is I always tell people just start like like you have your podcast, just start a podcast, and if you have to keep it private and not even interview anyone, just talk for like 20 minutes a day. And whatever you talk about for those 20 minutes over a 21 day period will be what you're about, you know, cause you can't really talk for 20 minutes, 21 days in a row without pretty much talking about the same thing, you know, that like focusing on kind of the same thing. And, and that helps a lot with my students. I don't like using the word coach, but I work with a lot of business people that are like, you know, high, high business people and help them kind of with their business stuff. But I also help a lot of people that are like brand new. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they need to do. And I always tell them like, your, your, your life is your curriculum. You know, like everything that you've been through is, is what you should be teaching, not what you learned from somebody else or not what you learned from, I mean, astrology and Reiki and stuff, that's different. But like, as far as like a message, you see so many people in the world and it just drives me crazy. You said something earlier about unlearning, you know, you had to unlearn. And I think that's important too, that people understand that all the stuff that we learn from other people, like there's coach addicts, people that are addicted to coaching, you know, they get all these coaches, what should I do? What should I do? And, or they listen to podcasts or for podcasts, what should I do? What should I do? And I think that, that the biggest thing is understanding that we already know what we need to do. We're just trying to find somebody to confirm it for us. And um, it's the best feeling in the world to know that you're kind of like on the right track. And usually when you're on the right track is when you start getting all that, the, the blocks, you know, the, those come, those come from within us. Right. You know, it's like the fear, the fear blocks or whatever. <laughs> my camera is shutting down a hundred times today. <laughs> my, I took the internet out guys. The internet upstairs is still not working. So I had to come down and connect in at this other office because um, it shut down. And then before that I couldn't get logged in <laughs> all kinds of things, but it's so true what you're saying, because you know, hopefully as people are listening, they understand you really do have everything within you. And that's really, you know, the important message that I've been trying to get to people is, is that, you know, really we're all love. And when you connect to that, that is so powerful. It's the highest vibration and it's within all of us and we can share it with other people and we need to share it with ourselves, and we need to find a way to connect to it. And, and what I say about love, my higher self's all, love, oh, you know, cause it's like, it's like, I, I was violated as a four-year-old child, you know, so oh. like that was love to, to me, you know, from my, somebody that I, I, he was only four years older than me, but still it's, it's, you know, somebody that was like, it was a family member and, you know, and it's just like, to me, that was that, that was like love, I guess. But then, but then later on in life, you know, you, it's like date rape and I fell in love with the guy that date raped me. And then he's the one that I ended up following around forever. So, and then my dad, I, I found this out very quickly when I got into Reiki, which is uh, energy healing, but it's more of a practice of self-awareness. You realize, oh, I'm being a total biatch right now. Like I need to recenter myself and figure out, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and then just kind of reconnect. But um, I realized that to me, criticism was love. And, and, you know, 
So my dad was the type that, I mean, he sent my sister back a card, like, may I call you dad, please? Cause she's my half sister. And he marked it up with a red marker, her spelling errors, (laughs) sent it back to her, didn't answer the question, you know? And so he was very like critical, very like, you know, like everything we did, it was like, okay, you did that wrong or you're lying or you're not telling the truth. And my dad's my business partner now. I mean, we write like spiritual books together. He's a completely different person. Um, but it's, that's, it's just what spirit's done, you know, for him has changed him to less of a critical person. I mean, he still falls into that sometimes. And I fall into the old me and we start arguing, but mostly we don't, but I found that I didn't feel when I was writing an article for the newspaper every week for a couple of years, I would give it to my husband every week around like Wednesday. Cause it was due Friday. By Friday, we were in the biggest brawl. We would like be fighting so bad to the point where I wanted to leave him by Sunday because Wednesday he'd go, sweetie, that's amazing. I love it. You know, anyone else would take that as, oh, he loves you. I wanted him with a red pen marking up my article and I wanted him criticizing me. And because he wasn't criticizing me, I didn't think he loved me. So then he doesn't love me would be in my mind. And then anything he said and everything he said was shaded with, he doesn't love me. So by the time Sunday came along, I was ready to leave him, you know? So, so I always tell people that, you know, with love, it's like, we have to figure out kind of like what we think love is before we can actually like embrace the whole love thing. And for me, I haven't really figured out like a, um, a what's it called? Uh, a replace. There's no replacement for love. Right. Cause with me, I I'm, I'm like helicopter mom with my kids, you know, when they're around other kids, cause I don't want them to get bullied or molested or, you know, whatever. So I'm like, Wah. so they may take hovering as, as love, you know, as they grow up, but, um, it's, there's no replacement for love. So it's like, how do we change the world world and people's view on, on love? So, I usually just tell people, just think of love as like forgiveness or, you know, just, you know, just forgiving somebody for what they did. But then you get all pissed off when you think about forgiveness because you're like, I want to forgive them for that. You know, so, so that you brought up that point. And I was like, that's really interesting because some people see love as like, so God is love. So God is a critical God and God's going to criticize me because he loves me, you know? And if you tell someone, oh, he's an unconditionally loving God, they're like, oh, then he doesn't love like, you know, someone like me. So psychiatrist, but what is, what is, what would you say is, in in your opinion, is the way that people can release that weird thing around like love? Because I think with love, what happens is, you know, I remember being in college and they taught us about the different types of love and they'd be like agape and eros and, you know, different names for different kinds of love. And that didn't feel genuine to me. I mean, I started naming them and labeling them because, you know, good little student, I was doing all those things and it didn't, to me, it didn't feel right. And then as I started thinking about love, I wouldn't even use the word for a really long time because, because of the fact that we have so many different connotations of how we experience love. It wasn't until I started connecting to the vibration of love and the energy of the creator as love in the higher consciousness form that I became comfortable using the word love. Because to me, love was also a very tainted word because I was connecting love to the actions of people. And when I was doing that, I couldn't figure out what love was because it didn't make any sense when I took it. And I said, Oh, I'm not going to connect it to any human actions. I'm going to connect it to the vibration that feels to me. Sometimes, honestly, to me, love feels so overwhelmingly encompassing and nurturing when I'm meditating that I'll actually start to cry. I just felt it. I almost started crying because I could I feel too. like, I could feel like this, like, 
boom, come like straight down through the back of my heart. And it like shot out. And I was like swept into another me that's over there that knows love because I'm yes. still, even though I'm in my higher self or whatever it is that I think I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm my spark and I leave, you know, but it's like the me that I can see sitting in front of me. Cause I'm like up there looking at me. Like, it's like, it's just a decrepit me that I've created as a version of myself to cope with this harsh reality of like, non-acceptance. And, you know, they say that that for kids, at least if they get an unlike or an unfriend, it's the same like amount of trauma to them as like being bullied and yelled at in front of the entire school. And if somebody likes their profile um, picture, it's the same as like dopamine shot or whatever is like heroin. It is. No, it's addictive. And they made it that way. That's that whole movie, the social networks all about why they designed it that way psychologically so that you do get the dopamine, the serotonin, you get those neurotransmitter releases so that you're addicted to it because it's like, Ooh, a like, Ooh, that feels good. I'm going to do that again. I'm going to check. Yeah. I'm going to check that again. And and then you get into this loop where you're trying to get that feeling. So you start Mm -hmm. posting more and you start putting things out there more. And then you start creating false things because you start creating things that you think are going to get the like. Yes. They don't have to be real. They just have to be things that get the like, because when you get the like, then you get the neurotransmitter hit and you feel good. So it's not anything to do with reality. It becomes this addictive loop of physiological biochemical loop. And you put out there, whatever you think is going to get the response. You Very interesting. I have a friend who's a influencer and and she's, um, you know, uh, representing a company that she would never eat that food, like the one that she's representing, but it's like, you know, it's mainstream and, and, and I can see that in her as she's grown as an influencer, that it's just, everything's all about what am I going to post? What am I going to do? Everything's content. I mean, she might as well have taken a picture of the baby coming out of her, you know, and she had her baby. <laughs> like, days. Um, but it's, 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 that's interesting. That's interesting. So, so our reality, I've always said, you know, one the, the biggest blocks between us and our higher self is our family hierarchy, you know? So it's like, I've got a little Gen Zer that works with me and she was always kind of like the smart one, the, the intuitive one, the one that her mom would even ask her for readings when she was younger and everything. And she was just kind of like, you know, the, the good one or whatever. So in school, she was like the biggest nerd. She always wanted to be popular, but at home, she was very popular because she was a nerd, you know, cause she was, she didn't care about being popular and stuff. And it's really blocking her in her life now being 24, 25 years old, because she's like, am I a nerd or am I popular? Am I a nerd or am I popular? And then it's like, no, no, you're neither one of those. Cause that doesn't matter. You're your higher self. So we need to get you into that. And she's starting to come into her own to where she's realizing, Oh, it doesn't really matter what my family thinks. And it doesn't matter what these people think. It actually matters how I feel inside. And it's so cool watching the metamorphosis of her, her changing and, and not being like a little clone of her dad or her mom or whatever. Cause really, if you think about it, we're pretty much clones of our parents until we're about 30. Until we figure it out. If people ever do, some people never figure it out. That's, that's, the, that's so the true. Issue. Yeah, that's so true. We are, we're just clones of our parents. And now I say things that sound like my mom and my dad. I'm like, oh my God, it sounded just like my mom and dad, you know, but most of the times, even if it's a bad thing, we're proud of it, you know, because yeah. that's, it's just, it's, it's all we know. But yeah, the, the blocks that I've been seeing recently with people went, cause I do my Wednesday night meditations where it's open to anyone. They can come, I do a healing on every single person while we're, I channel meditation. And when I drop into their field, I always see with the cord that they have in their crown chakra and down on their root that's supposed to be connected to God. I always see it trying to connect with God, but going into a parent's connection to God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost impossible to get that God cord to stay connected to God until people are fully comfortable with what you're saying with love because God's love, but we, we 
we don't, it's we uncomfortable. uncomfortable. No, and you have to do the work. I mean, I've had to do this myself. You have to do the work to cut that cord to your parents. It mm-hmm. has to be an awareness and acceptance and you can't let go of it until you know it exists. And then you figure then you out. you feel bad that you let go of it. I feel bad. I'm like, oh <laughs> no, like, why am I no. letting go of that? I still want them to feel so important. You know, it's like, because I think the kids, and in fact, the guys have told us that the kids come in to fix their parents for the first three years of their life because they bring in a pure God love source connection. And then after three years, the the kids go out of the collective of being like God and they start going into being like part of the earth or like a, like a, you know, becoming a human. And then at seven, that's when their little soul comes in and that's why they change. But from three to seven, they're just 100% a mirror for us. In fact, they live, they said they live inside of our energy. So parents that punish their kids. I saw this lady at the gym yesterday and I just wanted to like go grab her and punch her in the face. And I'm not a puncher. I don't punch people. (laughs) She had her son by the chin. He was three. And she goes, don't you dare embarrass me. He was at swim class and he wasn't blowing bubbles. And, and, and the teacher wanted him to blow bubbles. And then my son was blowing bubbles. So she was, I think, comparing my son to and then there's these other two kids that were twins and they were like one spit in the teacher's face and punched her. And like, so they were just totally bad. But this lady was comparing her son to, you know, not like, oh, he's behaving himself. He's just scared to blow bubbles. She yanked him out of the pool and she was yelling in his face in the locker room. And I, I, I made sure to stand in there pretty close so she'd almost get embarrassed. But I was just like, what kind of trauma like is going to be caused to this poor kid, you know, like fear of. Of, you could tell he was just afraid to blow bubbles because he didn't want to stick his face under the water. <laughs> you know, he's three and, and the, the mom, so she'll probably forever be his God cord. You know, she'll probably forever like be like, like right there. And I just think about the world and I mean, you need to take a test to drive a car. You need to take a test to do all this stuff. You don't need to take a test to be a mom or a dad. So, you know, it's like, you can just have a kid and mess them up as much as you want. But does <laughs> you know? anybody teach us? We take all these courses. Does anyone teach us how to parent? They don't, nope. you know what I mean? It's and that, required. that's actually one of my passions, what I want to do really bad. And I think we discussed this before is like, working with adolescents and stuff who I'm mortified of. I'm so scared of them. I'm like, you're so smart, but at the same time, not like they're so emotionally not smart, but they have so much wisdom in them because at 14, that's when they're like Christ self comes in and like, they just, they are their higher self. Um, and, and, and they can very easily just quickly be like skewed the other way, you know, but they have so much wisdom in them, but, but helping families or people, it's like, there's gotta be someone who can write a manual to teach a parent how to be like an intuitive parent to understand their kids so that we can actually know what we're doing because parenting to me is like diets. Like someone's like, no, eat all protein. And no, eat all starch or no, go vegan. No, eat all like bacon. And it's like, you, you get into spirituality or diets or parenting. And there's so many different points of view that there's gotta be a way to bring like a way where people can discern themselves, like how to, how to do this. And, and it starts yeah. with themselves, Marissa. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. A parent has to be willing to do the work on themselves. So they're not acting out their ancestry and their issues through their child. So mm-hmm. until you do your own work and understand yourself, how on earth can you parent another being? If you don't understand yeah, like yourself, that lady, probably her parents are probably like that to her. And that's probably why she was doing what she was doing. She was probably just so unconscious, just playing a recording in her head of how her parents were with her. She's disconnected. I would guess she's disconnected from herself. If she can't connect to herself and how she feels, how is she going to have the empathy for what her son's experience? She's just reacting. She's just coming from a place of reacting. 
you know, before mm-hmm. we started the podcast, spinning. we talked about spinning. She's coming mm-hmm. from the amygdala, the spinning place. And she felt maybe shame or discomfort because she felt like her child wasn't portraying her. Mm-hmm. It's not about her, but it felt to her like it was maybe, you know, that he wasn't portraying her in the way she wanted to be portrayed. She wasn't mm-hmm. being seen as the mom she wanted to be. Those were her, how she felt. Mm-hmm. And so she reacted from that place instead of yeah. thinking about the coming from the observer place and thinking about what does my child need? What am I really feeling right now? Connecting and connect with her feelings. She just reacted from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also uh, one of the things that the guides told us in one of my books, I've got like 29 of them, but it's like the, it's like one of the books, I think it's a skeptic's guide to psychology. We actually had Freud yeah. come in and all the, the psychiatrists back of the, from the day Freud came in and he was just like, they totally screwed my stuff up. It's that that's not what I meant. And yeah, it was funny. He, he came in and then some others came in, but it was, um, the, um, that we're our own worst critic. So we look at our child as ourselves. So she probably thought, well, if I don't push him, he's going to be ashamed of himself or something like that. So, so it's like, yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting that the guides are coming through right now. They're saying Freud's like, you want to talk? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to mention I'm a medium, but the, the, what I connect with is there's different kinds of planes of consciousness. So I'll see like ghosts, um, like people who have died that have decided to not cross over. Um, but I, I'll connect above that realm into like the soul plane. And, and there's a piece of us that's, that's never come down here. So that's usually what I'll channel, but I'll see like an animated version of like Freud down here and Freud and some other guy are always fighting the way that Snoopy and what well, they used to fight. Oh, and the one arm Snoopy and Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, who else does that? Mark and Peter or something like that from the Bible. There's always two of them that are always like, no, I believe this. No, I believe that. But um, Freud and someone always, always fight and and just think each other are so stupid, but I'll channel the soul consciousness. And, and what, what he's saying right now is he says the key to everybody's life being a happy life is understanding fear and that fear is the only thing to fear. And that if we can understand that fear prior to the age of three doesn't exist, that we believe that the world revolves around us. The first fear that we feel is fearing that we don't have control over something. So maybe looking and seeing that the dog barks and it's separate from us. That's a fearful thing to us. Will it come get us? Or, oh my God, my son's scared to death of the the, the smoke monitor. I, I just realized that. Um, um, so he's saying that when we start to see that things are separate from us, this is when fear begins. And understanding that not putting fear into children that are between the ages of three and seven is highly important because that fear turns into life or death, even if it's just a fear of having their toy taken away or something like this. But fear on the planet right now, by releasing people of this fear, the world would completely change. It would be a completely different atmosphere if fear did not exist, but it's still going to exist. However, it doesn't exist when you're in your higher self because the higher self does not know fear. It only knows knowledge and it only knows wisdom and it only knows truth. So discernment of what's true and what's not true is the number one lesson that people need to learn for themselves. And it has to do with love and it has to do with the heart and it has to do with feeling what somebody is saying and seeing if it feels true. If it doesn't feel true, trust it and know that it's not true and don't allow yourself to fear what it is they're saying. I caught the end of that. That was pretty good, actually. That's it was the, great. It was the great. Thing. Yes. Yeah. It, you were talking about the sermon of what's true and what's not, and that it comes from the heart and love. And that when you check in and see how it feels, if it feels true, then it is. If it doesn't, then it's not. And 
And that if, if we all could check into that right now and figure out where the truth is, then the world would be a very different place. I wonder if we, and everyone just said like, okay, I'm my divine spark. Show me like in my right hand, what love like true love from, you know, untainted feels like and show me what truth feels like. They kind of feel the same, huh? I mean, if you love somebody, you tell them the truth, right? And, or I guess so. Yeah. But it's, it's feeling like the same to me. It's like love, truth. They kind of feel like they're the exact same thing. So if we ask like to put that into ourselves and feel what that feels like, and then say like, okay, I need to, um, you know, um, do that thing. And I'm like, do I need that in order to not be sick or whatever? We ask to have, feel that in our hand and compare it with truth or love. And if it's, if it's, if it doesn't, if it doesn't match, then our body doesn't think it matches. So we don't need to do that. That's a really good exercise. Actually. I've got a lot of questions I need to ask my love and truth hands. <laughs> yeah, I like that. The love and truth hands. I yeah. Really it's like, like love that. and truth. And then it's like, show me what it feels like if I was to take this job, you know, like, is that my path? Like I, I want to take this job and it's like, and then ask to see if it feels the same because everybody, even if they're not like super intuitive, everybody can kind of feel what it feels like to feel love and, and truth, like in their hands. And, and cause everybody's gifted and everybody's intuitive and talented, but some of us that are supposed to be intuitive and talented think it's way too cool for us to be, you know, like really, you're like, I'm not a channel. I'm not this. I'm like, she's totally a channel. <laughs> In my mind, I'm thinking that, you know, but you know, someone who wants to be a doctor, they're like, oh, you know, like I, I'm not cool enough to be a doctor, you know? And I'm like, I'd rather die than be a doctor, you know? So, but people that are supposed to be one may think, feel unworthy of it or something like that. So that's another good indicator of what our path is, is the things that we think are so cool that we're not, you know, worthy of it. Um, that's a good way of knowing what our path is too. And, and breaking through those boundaries that tell us like, you're not good enough to be a spiritual healer or a medium or whatever. Freud's like, here, here, Freud, I didn't tell you to stay. He's <laughs> <laughs> like sitting over in the corner. There's all these like, um, professionals and stuff like that, like sitting over in the corner. I think a lot of the times what I'll see is all the people that are going to listen to the podcast, I'll see their higher selves sitting up there. They kind of contribute to whatever it is that we're talking about. Well, that's They're awesome. all sitting up there. Yeah. I constantly have like hecklers and, and stuff. They probably call it schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder. If you know, you wanted to go into the psychiatry realm, <laughs> diagnose me, you know, and that's so funny because it depends on, on how, you look at things, right? I mean, doesn't that just say, you know, schizophrenia is all about being a shattered being, a shattered, a shattered being, fragmented sense of self. And what does that really mean? You know what I mean? What does that really mean? Does it mean the person's shattered because they're connecting with other things? Does it mean they're shattered because they have had experiences that are so traumatizing that they're overwhelmed and they're afraid to come back into a hole? Does, are they shattered because they're physiologically are so full of toxins that they can't detox it out to come back into the physical body? What does it really mean? I just heard it was a virus of the tonsils or something like a, what do the tonsils do? I said, it's a virus. That there, that's amazing. Cause there are some theories that it has to do with viral toxic load. That's amazing. That really? That. Yeah, Not I just in traditional medicine. No one would ever say that, but I have come across people that have said that exact same thing, that it's viral toxic load. And that's, that's why a virus talking. and the tonsils or something don't 
it looks like you've got these two little army guys on each side, like the tonsil, and they like block out stuff or they morph it or transmute it into something clean or whatever. And it's like the, they've left the building. Maybe people got their tonsils taken out or something. Or they got get too impacted. Them. They can get too impacted. Yeah. I just, uh, I just, I just, heard, I just heard that schizophrenia is not necessarily um, um, hereditary, but it's that because if somebody's had it in the family, we'll believe more that somebody is that because of the hereditary thing, but that it's a viral infection. Wow. And you can't really cure viruses, right? The body, viruses, can, cure, the body can cure anything. I'm a it, believer. The viruses have to, have, have to pass, right? But they, if you give right. somebody a diagnosis while they're in that delirium, like, you know, when people have a- They're going to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if some kid was to have a fever and start hallucinating and then we diagnose them as having like, like hallucinate, hallucinating, you know, right. Say they're psychotic. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Then they're going to stick with that. That's what the shows that bother me the most. And it's a little bit off topic, but it's on topic as like these shows, like the ghost is in my child or something. Have you seen that? No, there's a show called there's a ghost in my, in my child. And it's these parents who their kids are possessed and they basically think that their child is a reincarnation of this, the spirit. And they're telling this kid, you know, Oh, you're Edgar Allan Poe, or you're this, or you're that. And, and it's like, these kids are like three years old, four years old, and they're on this TV show. So it's making this imprint in this child that thinks that they were this person before when really it's a ghost is literally in their child trying to resolve their death. And once they resolve their death, they leave. But now these parents are continuing to tell these kids, Oh, you were this before or whatever. It completely changes their entire life path and, and, and everything in them. So there's so much, that's one yeah. of the things I'd say this might see Pucci even bark. That's one of the things that gets me <laughs> is, is the misinformation of like, like non-truth about spiritual stuff, spiritual gifts about the ghost realm, spirit realm, when it has to pertain to kids, you know, and it yes. has to do with the, the kids and stuff like that. And I think that you shared kind of getting into this stuff because you wanted to figure out what was going on. You weren't willing to deal with the physical world explanation, right. but now there's this other spectrum where people are like, oh, my child's a gifted medium and, you know, this and that. And then when the kids can't see ghosts anymore at seven, they just make it up because that's their identity and that's how they get attention. And it's it's causing like big time problems. So that's that's another part of one of a big part of one of my message that I want to get out to the world. And we didn't introduce me as starting intuition kids, but we're trying to start this family division of my company so that we can help parents understand that you're not supposed to worship your kid. If they can see grandma and you're not supposed to, you know, like, like, um, I mean, I, I have parents who literally worship their children. They're, they're, they're like, Oh, they they can see this. And just cause they're seeing something, it doesn't mean it's real. <laughs> Right. Because you know, you're there seeing grandma. It doesn't mean it's grandma. Um, you know, it could be something else or they could just be reading the memories of the parents or something like that. So so it's a really like sticky subject. Like and, and I think that so many kids are affected by it right now. Um, and, and, and it leads into not knowing what gender they are, not knowing what what, you know, sexuality they are like all this because they have all these other um, personalities and spirits inside of them because because they can see that and they're being told, Oh, you get attention. You're good because you see that. So they just let it all in. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a freaky thing. And so like, with, I won't even do class at home. Cause I don't want anything like near my house with my kids. I'm like, back off, get out of my kid. <laughs> you know? And then there are these people on TV going like, yeah, my son, da, 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 da. and I see all these like spirits and ghosts. It doesn't hit them until they're about 14 or 15 because the personalities will become part of their personality. If they let them stay inside of their field at 14 or 15, it'll just be meshed with them and it'll be part of their personality, which is, is a little bit freaky. Well, I mean, there's a couple important things you said there. I mean, children are open vessels. If we 
tell them to teach them to continue to be open. We want them to be open in certain ways, but not to every entity that comes by. We want them to understand energy, not necessarily take it into themselves because they need to understand what's theirs and what's not. And that's a big thing for most of us. But the other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to say, just because I had some experience with this in graduate school is the whole TV show thing. I had a um, another psychologist that I worked with who some of her clients were so traumatized. They were, um, adolescents mainly, and some young adults that were going on talk shows, you know, the talk shows back then expecting that it was going to make them special and that people were going to want to hear their story. They weren't seeing, they weren't having psychic abilities, but just their emotional, they were out there sharing their emotional being. And when they would do that, you don't know what you're going to get back. And Mm -hmm. so people would go out there and they'd go on these big time network shows. I'm not going to name any of them, but they'd go on them. And then what would happen is they'd be walking down the street and everybody knows your name and they think they know you. And now they may or may not resonate with your story. And it's very damaging because you Mm -hmm. put yourself out there assuming people were going to feel a certain way and they don't. But with the kids that on the show that you're talking about, imagine a child trying to understand not just these energy entities, but now you've got people filming you, the cameras, you're getting all this attention for it. And you're thinking this is what you're supposed to do. So it's completely overwhelming and confusing for the child on all levels. And this is the person that's supposed to protect and guide them Mm -hmm. through the world, giving them very strong messages about your worth comes from sharing this with other people. So they're going to open up their energy field more and more Mm -hmm. and let in it's very dangerous when you do that, as you know, because entities can attach, things can come in that don't belong mm-hmm. in there. And the child's being encouraged to do that for the viewer's um, enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I watched one boy in particular and he was like a soldier that died or whatever. And I'm thinking like this poor kid, he's like 12 now about to hit puberty and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, yeah, when I was that person, you know, I'm, I, I felt this way and that way. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, he's totally making up a story in his own head so that he can continue to play this game so he can be on this show. And, you know, his parents can feel special. And I mean, there's authors that have written stories about their kids having these spiritual experience, talking to a ghost. I mean, I, I listened to a guy the other day who was writing about his son's experience when he was five, one experience and, and his son was now 25. So he's still talking about the one experience that he had that proved that spirit was real or proved that God was real or whatever. And I'm thinking like, man, like I've had a gazillion experiences, you know, proving that. And some people just hold on to it so tight. And the son was a drug addict and alcoholic. And he was talking about how his son has all these like obsessive compulsive disorders and stuff like that now. And I'm like, well, dude, you're like holding him at his five-year-old self. You like, won't let him get past that. He doesn't even remember being five and you keep pulling him back there. You know? So it's um, yeah, it's, it's the spirituality to me, the guide's voice said spirituality is science that we haven't proven. You know, so it's like science and then whatever we don't understand, we call it spirit and then we prove it. And then, you know, what's outside of that. And I think that people have gotten so liberal with like, I don't want to be a religion, you know, that they just go like, like out into like the new age. And one of the biggest things for me is kind of like trying to reel people back in, like, you know, and like reel it back in a little bit, you know, like you don't have to be like open and letting all this in because it's the number one um, cause of cancer in this world is what, what I've been told. And in, in, in my sessions, I've healed stage four cancer seven times and, oh, not me, but, you know, I've witnessed it and God's healed it or their higher self by merely removing a family member who had died that was attached onto them because a medium told them, call your mom in every day. She'll help you. So the mom hadn't crossed over. She died of cancer. So now she's 
in their field every day because nothing can come in unless you call it in. So they're calling the mom in every day, talking to her and her cancer becomes their cancer. And so by removing mom and saying, Hey, you need to cross over. And she doesn't even realize she hasn't crossed over. And most of them don't even know that they died. It's you cross them over. And it's like, the doctors are like, I've had four doctors say the same thing. I don't believe in miracles, but if this, if, if I was to believe in miracles, this is one, but we're going to keep you on chemo anyways. <laughs> oh, geez. Because that's healthy for your body. Yeah. Yeah. Really good for your body. But you know, and, and it's like, it's um, three of the people out of those four that stayed on the chemo died of the chemo. Another person is still living today. And then the other three people um, are alive today and, and they're like, healers now too, and everything. So it's a lot of our diseases, a lot of our, our, our mental stuff is not even our own. It's, it's someone else's that we're either attached to, or it's someone who's on the other side who hasn't crossed over. So, um, I was told a long time ago, my mission was to clean up the fourth dimension. And I'm like, it's impossible to clean up the fourth dimension, which is the dream world, the spirit world, the emotional planes, you know, it's the astral planes. It's, it's where we go when we daydream. Um, it's, it's, it's where we go when we dream, when we sleep at night, and I'm like, it's impossible to clean up the astral plane. I'd rather just remove everybody from it. <laughs> Take them out of the astral plane, make them aware that it's a dirty, nasty place. And um, I give it to shamans because they are brave. Shamans are brave. They go in and out of those, those realms and they're not affected by it, which is which is amazing. I think shamans are, are if you find a real one, right. are, are the most talented healers out of like any healers I, I know. So, And for me, you can tell when somebody can stand in love and is really channeling directly, completely objective information. So it's not coming through their lens. It's mm-hmm. coming from the higher planes and, and there's a difference. There just is. But back to what you were saying, if we can help people to connect, if we all connect to our higher selves and we can help people connect to their higher self, then don't you think that'll help clean up? <laughs> Yeah, they actually have you heard of the hundredth monkey? I'm looking at my arm. I'm like my arm. I have white out all on my arm because my son marked me up. He said the hundredth monkey, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's going to be basically the gist of it. People can look it up. But the hundredth monkey was basically about these monkeys on an island. These scientists were there, and I always say they taught the monkeys how to wash their potatoes or something before eating them instead of like you know just eating the sand when they gave them like their potatoes. I don't know what exactly it was, but they taught them how to do something. All the old monkeys were like, "No, I'm just going to eat the sand and the potatoes," and the young monkeys learned. And by the time the hundredth monkey learned how to do what the scientists had taught them how to do, every monkey started doing it, even the old ones. So it's like they all just started doing whether they were taught directly or not, they just started doing it. But what was most amazing was across the ocean, the same type of monkey all started doing what I got chills again, got did started eating or whatever it was that they were doing, started doing whatever they were taught to do by the scientists after the hundredth monkey. So the guides have always said, we're dealing with the hundredth monkey here. We're not going to affect everybody. But once we hit that hundredth monkey, as far as like human consciousness goes, getting them into their higher self and teaching them how to stay there, every single person will be in their higher self. I just got chills again. And then there'll be no duality. There won't be the need to cut other people down or get in fights with people online and call them names. I mean, I have had over a hundred people that were suicidal over a comment made to them on Facebook, 
you know, like it's like somebody like reamed them. I mean, we traced it back to the comments. So like they were suicidal and then it's like, okay, well, what happened four days ago? What happened two days ago? Um, two days before that. Okay. What happened here? And they're like, oh my God, I got in a fight with someone on Facebook. That's right. They called me a this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, let's release that. I released the comment from them. And then they're like, don't want to kill themselves anymore. So it's like, it's like a snowball effect, you know? And, um, it's, it's like, we just need to affect, they said, we just need to affect 168,000 souls. That's the exact number. And by affecting that amount of people and getting them into their higher self, it'll be like the end of the movie, Wonder Woman. Did you ever see Wonder Woman? I did not. Okay. At the end of Wonder Woman, spoiler alert, um, the God of war gets defeated and all the guys that were battling and shooting each other on the battlefield, like went, like shook their heads and just went like, what am I doing? And like reach down to help their enemy up. And they all went and got coffee together or something. So it's like <laughs> the, the, the God of war, Wonder Woman beats the God of war, whatever, but everybody just went from fighting and shooting each other to just like, Hey, what's going on here? This is weird. So I feel like that's kind of what, what our mission and anyone listening to this today is, is probably part of that revolution where we need to get people into a higher state of consciousness. And it's not even about spirituality or spiritual gifts or anything. It's just more of like a different perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. like looking from, and it's not higher either. Cause that I, for me, higher brings judgment in, you know, if you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, look at it from a higher perspective. I feel like it's more of like an expanded perspective, like a, like a, where you can see it from like more sides of the building or something like that. Um, and I think if people could start to, to do that, then the world would start shifting and, and we wouldn't have to worry about the world turning into the end of um, man in the high castle, <laughs> which yeah. such the depressing ending of a show that was like four seasons. I watched it. And I was like, I'm so depressed now. <laughs> it's still depressed. And that was like a month ago. It, it was a very freaky show. <laughs> yep. And I told you, I haven't seen that one, but, but what you were just talking about, when you were talking about expansion, what that reminded me of is, is we just need to open, you know, we need to open to the parts of ourselves and the parts in others that are whole and healthy and, you know, the compassion, the forgiveness, all of those things that help us to join and build and raise ourselves to a higher vibration and to join us into it like a healthy collective. You know, it's not, yeah. you don't want to be in an enabled messy thing, but you want to realize that we really are all in this as one unit. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, we, we were talking before the show about nature, you know, so it's the same thing with nature. You mm-hmm. know, there was this movie, what is the name of that movie? Seven, no, The Big Little Farm. The Big, the Little Big Farm, The Little Big Farm. And it showed how it took seven years for the farm to get going. And I was fascinated because it would be one crisis after another in nature. But if you knew what the thing happening meant, you knew how to handle it. So when there were snails on the trees and they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose our apple trees. No, the snails were there. If you brought the sheep, then the sheep would eat the snails. And then, and then the, the manure from the sheep would be used for this. I mean, it was amazing just to watch nature had it all worked out. The people had to figure out what the messages were from nature, you know, by working with it. That's interesting. Yeah. It was fascinating. I was watching it going, Oh no. Oh no. Oh, okay. It's okay. You know, it's so cool. It was, it was absolutely fascinating, but it's I like, like the bees, they say we need bees in order for the, um, yes, for everything else. You no. can't just spray the pesticides and kill all the bugs and think it's, and the bees and think it's not going to have any ramifications for the rest of us. You it just know? hit me, the birds and the bees. I, yeah. I it just hit me the birds and the bees. Um, I'm hearing the guide say right now that, 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 um, creation itself, when we're living in creation, um, that, that I, I'll have to look it up, but they're showing me like a beehive with a six sided 
one, two, three, four. Yeah, there's six sides. And they said anything in creation will be um, like six-sided things. So it's it's like a created thing. Um, I'm thinking of like seashells and, you know, how they're all perfect and everything. That's really interesting. I, I don't know. I, I just saw a beehive and I saw like six-sided things. And they're saying that six isn't necessarily bad. It's just a sign of creation. You know, we always go, oh, six, yeah. six, six. Yeah. They're saying it's part of like, you know, the reality that we create, but it's not the true reality. It's, it's, we're in, in creation. So, so I guess the question is how we get everybody into their higher self. And I just heard the guides are saying, they're saying, wait, wait, wait. The most important thing to understand is this is Michael. And I think it's Christ Michael, but sometimes I'm like, is that Archangel Michael? And then they say, stop asking questions. <laughs> Michael just means the, the name Michael means like God or something. So I think it's just like a, a, I don't know. He's good though. He's not bad. So anyways, he just said, he said, the most important thing is making sure that everybody's in their own body because 98% of people are not 100% in their own body, including children. And, and this is the most important thing to do because if they're in their own body, if they're solitary, if they're in solitude, they're solitary, like they're the only being in their body. They don't have to worry about getting to know who they are and what they are because everything is them. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. If you ask yourself right now, what percentage of me is not in me? then you'll get probably a very surprising answer. And you can actually ask yourself this question, well, then who am I in? And you could be in anyone from the newscaster you're watching on TV to a guy you're sitting next to on the bus to, to, to anybody, because we leave little pieces of ourselves in other beings because we want to see what it's like to be them. We're very curious, curious souls. So we're like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like to be them. But then we forget to pull these pieces back. And this is where shaman come in with uh, soul retrieval and things of this sort, but this is a lot less complex where all you have to do is just ask that you come back and just say, okay, where's my divine spark? How much of me is outside of me? And then say, okay, 97% of me is outside of me. Okay. Well come back and just feel yourself coming back to yourself and imagine yourself coming into the center of your chest, into your heart and just ask that when you are 100% in you, that you be given a sign. And that sign could be your head itches, or, you know, you could just feel a little bit of a shift within you. If you know how to muscle test, you can do that. But if we could all want, be 100% within ourselves, there wouldn't be fear because there's only fear when we're separated. Separation is what causes that fear. Because when we're fully inside of ourselves, we truly are our own temple. We're a temple. We know what's gonna happen. We know the future. We've let go of the past we're grounded within ourselves. So this is the message that we would like for people to understand today is, is the most important thing in your life right now is getting yourself 100% inside of yourself. And people will say, no, 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 that feels horrible. It doesn't feel horrible because you at this present moment are perfect. You're not sick. You perceive you're sick. So the next second you're sick. So it's hard. It's a little bit hard to understand, but just know that in this present moment, you are perfect. And if you can be in yourself, you can heal anything. You can do anything. You can achieve anything. You can have as much money as you want, do all these things. And this is what we were speaking of before. People do the law of attraction wrong. They do it from their ego out of fear. So they create exactly opposite of what they want. But by being 100% within themselves, centered in their heart, free from fear, you can be and do anything that you want to do. And that really basically answers anybody's questions about anything because <laughs> I said, but then we have to figure out what we want. Nobody knows what they want. <laughs> and they said, they said, actually, you do know what you want. You just try and talk yourself out of it. That's interesting. That was beautiful. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. You know what? Moms, a lot of moms like have like 50% of themselves inside their kids' fields. 
And so that's why kids hear their moms talking in their ear because there's a piece of them over there in them. And then it stays in them. Oh my gosh. I had literally 98% of me outside of me, but I am channeling. So, (laughs) (laughs) well then that's okay. In that sort, in that case, we'll give you that. Yeah. But I'm still hearing that when I'm like fully present, when I think I'm fully present, that I still have 45% of me that's outside of me. And it's in my husband because I'm so worried about making sure that he approves of me. That's that's I've transferred my stuff daddy issues onto my husband. It's, it's lovely. (laughs) And then you get to work out, work on it from there. So, you know, as long as you're aware of it, you can do something about it. It's when you don't know about it, that you just react and act it, act it out, but you're aware of it. So you can work with that. I'm aware of it, but it's still, it's still so annoying because with relationships (laughs) and husbands and kids, it's like, we turn into these different, like Tasmanian devil, like, and you're like, standing outside yourself, looking at yourself going like, why am I cutting him down right now? I'm totally wrong. Why am I arguing that I'm right? And it's like, you can see it all happening. And you're like, why am I still arguing? Oh yeah, I need to be right. But I don't need to be right. It's like, you're arguing with yourself. At least that's how it is for me. And I know a lot of spiritual students say they just watch themselves and they can't stop themselves. So (laughs) maybe by pulling ourselves back into ourselves, that can repair that issue. (laughs) No, definitely. I mean, I think of that as my shadow. Like I'll be like, oh my gosh, here's my shadow. It's arrived. I need to go create some space so I can not do any damage while I'm, you know, not in, <laughs> not in the that space. Like what, what's your I technique? Will literally, I will literally walk away. If I'm in a space where I feel like I'm getting agitated, especially like with my kids, I will literally go walk into another room and either write things down. Or most of the time I'll just literally like lay down, close my eyes, do some Reiki or just breathe. And I found that I was doing originally when I was doing it, I was doing it for me because I would Mm -hmm. feel like, okay, I'm trying to control this right now. And this is not, that's not the place I want to come from. I want to come from an empathic place where I'm not trying to get a certain outcome. I'm not trying to win Mm -hmm. an argument. I'm trying to be open and listen, but I'm not being open and listen. So I'm going to go walk away because I'm reacting to something that's happening in this, in this situation. But Mm -hmm. what I found in that situation, especially with my daughter is when I go and create the space for myself, because I don't want that shadow to fly out, you know, something's being triggered and I recognize it's being triggered and I go and create the space. Guess what happens? It forces her to have space too. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back more present. And by the time I come back and I'm present, we can actually have a resolution because we're not reacting. We're making choices and responding to one another. Whereas before we might've started where we were just reacting. She was saying something and I was about to react or did react because it does happen. And then I realize I'm reacting and I go, oh, this is not who I am, who I want to be, it's who I'm being right now. Don't want to be that. I'm going to remove myself. And, and so now, I mean, my, like my kids know, my daughter knows she's like, mom's going to go take some time. <laughs> I love that kid attitude. I just heard the further that we stand from the sun, like, like the closer we stand to, is it the closer we stand to the sun? the bigger the shadow, the farther we are from the sun, the smaller the shadow. I keep hearing something like that, but but that our kids are almost like the sun shining light on us. And like, if we're like standing there, it's like our shadow goes all big. Oh yeah. But if, if we're able to kind of like reel ourselves into the sun, I guess referring to that as like forgiveness or Christ or, you know, whatever they want, they're using a metaphor. But if we can pull ourselves into the sun or the central sun within us, then we don't have a shadow. We're just light. And then they, they, are then because they tune into us as source, you know, so they're just reflecting back all of our stuff. Like I've seen kids that like literally will say to like a, a parent something that like their parent used to say to them, like, like 
you pick it up B-I-T-C-H or something like that. And they'll be like, are they possessed by my father who died? I'm like, no, they're just literally reflecting back your DNA. Like all of your stuff that you haven't dealt with. They're just reflecting it back. They're completely unconscious of it. They're just playing that back so that you can heal. Cause kids really do come in to heal us. And I think that we we're diagnosing them instead of coming in to heal us, we're diagnosing them with all these issues and stuff like that. And we're tainting that healing that they're supposed to be bringing into us. So it's, it's like, yeah, we got to start something where people start respecting what kids have to say. Like, you know, instead of just going like, Oh, they're out of control or their imagination is out of control, but then also not worshiping them, but understanding that when, like I have to tell my husband, Jeff, he's going nuts because you have all this airport energy all over you. My husband's in law enforcement. He has all this stuff. He's been chasing a bad guy. He walks in the house. My son literally runs up and punches him right in between the legs. (laughs) I'm like, Jeff, if you could, you would punch yourself in between the legs because you are so hard on yourself. So he's literally being you and he's three. So, but he gets so mad and he thinks that it's, it's him doing that. I'm like, he's unconscious. He's just being swept into your energy and he's reflecting back the way you feel about yourself. So it's, that, that was a huge lesson for me when I learned that, because when my daughter starts like being really hard on me, I'm like, oh, that's criticism. She's criticizing me. She's loving me. And so as soon as the more I release the criticism as love, the less my daughter goes, wait, mommy, I thought you said this. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. just mirrors. And I find that the more centered and aligned I am in myself, when those, what would have been triggers come out, those statements that are there. I got on like testing statements. <laughs> Let's test how you, how you really are doing in your, in your, in your own work and in your own alignment right now. So when those testing statements come out, I know that if I can respond with compassion and from a place of unconditional love that I am staying, you know, like we were just talking about in my own body, that I'm in my own body, that I am in that centered place where I can hear her and come from a place of compassion and unconditional love versus the place of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I like that compassion as opposed to reaction. Yeah. Compassion over reaction. Yeah. Compassion for me is a tough one because my ego wants to feel sorry for people and think it's compassion when really right. it's pity. Right. And that always gets me into trouble. Usually financial issues because I hire someone that I feel sorry for because I need to feel better because I'm so insecure because I was a drug addict and then I, I got clean and then started to identify myself as my career. So I always surround myself with people that know nothing like about anything they need to do. And I hire them and I expect them to be professionals because <laughs> my ego needs for me to be the smartest, but I really need to hire people that know more than me so that, you know, they can do what they need to do. And and so that's been a big struggle for me over the years. And and I came to that conclusion a few years ago and and that's when I got Hay House and stuff. And I finally went, oh, okay. I don't get a bunch of people that know nothing to surround me so that I can feel like I know so much, you know, just be comfortable with who I am. Well, that's so important too. look around and see who's around you. And that tells you a lot about, about yourself. You know, who have you surrounded yourself with? How are they mirror? What are they mirroring to you? Mm-hmm. If we're all mirrors of each other, then we need to look at what mirrors we've placed in our room, so to speak. You know, what mirrors have we chosen to hang up in our close field? What are we needing to see and why is it there? And do we still need those mirrors or some of those mirrors need to maybe, you know, go somewhere else? <laughs> why would we hang, why would we hang a person around us that like, takes advantage of us, like financially excited, but pay someone like X amount of money. And then they don't do what they need to do. Why would, why would somebody I'm you already answered that? You just answered that. I did. I don't remember what, I said. <laughs> what you said was because you didn't feel good enough about yourself and that you wanted oh, to. Feel, oh, okay. You said oh, yeah, that, that's true. yeah, because 
Because like you're saying, you didn't feel good about yourself and you, and you wanted to be the smartest in the room. So part of you wanted to yeah. be feel smart. Part of you felt sorry. So you were trying to rescue the person or do well. When I teach Reiki, that's always one of my things that I share is I used to lend money to people that couldn't pay me back so I could feel rich. Cause I was like such like a loser in my mind in my twenties that when I finally was new money, like I would lend somebody money that I knew couldn't pay me back. So I could complain about the fact that they couldn't pay me back. So everybody would realize, Oh, you gave someone $5,000. Wow. You're really rich. You know? So I was always trying to portray that. Ah, okay. Yeah. I answered my own question and you just answered it by bringing that up. That's I need to get rid of that. So I can get my money back from this guy. Well, yeah, but you know what? It also, what I was hearing when you were talking just now is when you do things like that, when we, when we do those things, we're not valuing ourselves. Yeah. We make choices that don't value ourselves, And that means we don't value ourselves. You know what I mean? Like if the choice isn't honoring you, there's a reason why you're making that choice. And then we have to say, yeah. So we have to say, I love myself. Wait a minute. I love myself. I'm going to honor myself by making choices that respect me and my time and my effort and what I'm bringing to the world. Now I see me like um, Snoopy and Woodstock fighting me. Yes. Like, you know, I see me fighting me over there. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. That's very interesting. Thank you for that. That was just, that's actually a really huge thing. It's funny because it's kind of like what I teach, but like I teach unconsciously, like I have to listen to my own classes to learn from them. Most of my students know more than me because <laughs> I don't remember what I teach. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm sensing that you're going to, at some point, know when you embrace and own your skills, when you're willing to own what you do, then you'll mm-hmm. remember it. Right now, like you said before, you're not willing to own it. You don't want the responsibility of it. So it's not sticking. I was remembering before Hay House and when I got with Hay House and people were like, oh, honey, you're too materialistic. You need to go become a this and that. It's like people were just so mean. And I remember them telling me and my dad, when she gets out into the world and has millions of followers and this and that and all this, you need to have tough skin because people are afraid of what you're teaching because it's they're afraid because they believe you. So the ones that pick on you the most are the ones that actually believe you because they're picking on themselves for actually falling for what you're saying. And I could never quite embrace that anytime anyone said something to me and I was like, Oh, ouch, 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 ouch. <laughs> so, so it, it, it's, it's, I feel for people that get publishing deals and like become influencers and go out there into the world because it's very easy to change and become, go to the dark side and and just, you know, conform into what everybody wants to. And, and that's kind of why I had to take a step back. Cause I was like, I'm not going to produce stuff that just people want to see just because, and I'm not going to not say the word God or the word Christ consciousness or, you know, whatever, just because people are uncomfortable with it. So, so yeah, I got banned from YouTube (laughs) the other day. I'm like, okay, they're banning me from the internet, but you know what? It's, it's, I think that people We'll find the teachings um, and, and the, the key is just their higher selves bring them. I, I see people's higher selves just like, you know, attracting towards. I see it in coffee shops. And that, this is one way that people can know if they're a channel or not. If they walk up to somebody in a coffee shop and they compliment them on something that they would, wouldn't usually talk like, oh, I like your watch, even though it's like the ugliest watch in the world or something. And then you start talking to the person and then like 20 minutes later, you're late for work. But the person's going like, oh, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So that's like the higher selves went, hey, there's a channel over there. Let's get them over here to talk to this person. And you just make some random unconscious comment. And then you start talking and you start delivering from their higher self because they're blocked all the messages that they need to hear. And when I share that with people, they're like, oh my God, I do that all the time. And it's like, yeah, you're a channel, you're a higher self channel. You're here to bring through higher consciousness. And another way to know too, is if you're driving down the freeway 
And all of a sudden you're like, I wonder what would happen if I just hit this wall real quick. Do you ever do that? Like, what, like that thought, like will go through your head, like, 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 whoa, my God, I don't want to hit this wall. Like it's like, you get this fear. It's because you're, you're reading the, the energy realms around you. That means you're a medium because you're reading the energy realms around you while you're driving in theta mode, just kind of all a robot. And you're picking up on all the frequencies of what's happened, like on the freeway. And then you get that thought and you're like, what am I thinking? Why am I thinking I'm going to hit this person or whatever? And so I tell people if that happens, that definitely means that, that you're a multidimensional thinker and that, that they should look into making sure they keep their energy clear and stuff because those realms affect us way more than people think. Like, I, I think the yeah. invisible realms affect us way more than the ones that we can see for sure. Yeah. Like the emotional realms and stuff like that and the spirit realm and everything. So, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that my book attunement, um, I go through like all this, like, I just realized that I do this thing where you say zero heart, zero ground, zero source. And that's all you have to say. And it centers you like in your heart, in the ground and in your source. And that's like the easiest way to start. Like if you're not into spirituality or anything to just say that, because I kind of have it set up as like a quantum healing thing, but you don't have to witness it. You don't have to see it. All you have to do is say it. And it takes you into the zero point within you and, and the zero point. And then if people can do that each day, just remember to do that. They'll start feeling wiser. They'll start feeling less, would you say reactive? Mm-hmm. And, and you just start feeling better because you start trusting something outside of your ego to, to guide you through the day. And it's, it's so beautiful to watch in people as a teacher, you know, teaching people healing and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's like, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. And you know, what we want is don't people as humans, we want to be connected and we're so big on connecting to others. And what you just described is connecting to ourselves, which is where we Mm -hmm. need to start. So if you start every day connecting to yourself in that beautiful way that you just mentioned, then you're going to be able to go out and have really beautiful connections to others. And we put so much energy into connecting to other people and we forget to connect to ourselves, which ultimately connects us to God. And it's yeah. like, wow, isn't that really, if you could go, well, there's only one connection I could have, what would I like it to be? Well, I'm going to choose God. I'm not going to choose, you know, something out, just some random person walking by. Cause who knows yeah. what you're getting there, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But a lot of people will be like, Oh, the G word, don't say the G word. Like, Oh God is bad. You know, I've got one lady that used to have like her dad would do really bad things to her reading Bible verses. So I think people have gotten religion mistaken with God and all that stuff. And my prayer just for the world, I guess, would be for people to understand like God is not being a being and just being a like a, a force or an a electricity force and energy or a, a hard drive, if you will, yes. you know, information. And, and if people could start to understand that and just see that as like, oh, okay, I can, I can accept that. Then as soon as they accept it, then it's like, boom, that takes over and our lives just change. Yeah. But we're so resistant to it. And, and myself included. I mean, I had so many spiritual awakenings around God. Um, conversations with God was my opening what opened me up to God. Have you ever read that book, Neil Donald Walsh? Yes. Yes. That was a long time ago. I got ago, to right? interview yeah. him and oh, do stuff cool. for him. I was like, I'm talking to God right now. Cause he does the audio book and his voice mm-hmm. is God. And I was talking to him on the phone and I was like, Oh my God, I'm talking to God. And I was like, wait, no, that's Neil Donald Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really awesome guy, but yeah, I got to do sessions for him. And because my agent is his agent, Eckhart Tolle's agent, and like all these like big time people. So my life has been so surreal for the past like three or five years, um, like meeting all these amazing people that I looked up to and doing sessions for them and stuff. That it, it's just like, I feel put spiritual teachers on a pedestal, and they're just real people. 
They're just, they're just real people, you know? And, and I think that a lot of times we block our purpose because we think, oh, I could never be like that spiritual teacher. I could never be like that person. And so anyone listening to this today, I just hope that if you're trying to step into your own and you're trying to do your thing and you're trying to figure out your purpose, just ask yourself what your purpose is. Say, who told me that was it? And then just say, okay, zero heart, zero ground, zero source, higher self, what's my purpose? And then the first thing that comes to your mind, just write it down and stick with that just for a second and try kind of imagine how it would make you feel and stuff like that. And, and I can guarantee that a lot of people will find their purpose just from hearing that right there, because we forget to ask ourselves why we never ask ourselves what, or what our purpose is. We always ask everybody else. Um, and, and I think once people know what their purpose is, then we actually have a reason for living. I mean, it's like, if you don't know what it is, you spend all your time looking for it. And it's very frustrating, especially when you find negative people that tell you, oh, you don't have a purpose. I had one lady tell me that I didn't have a purpose. Wow. She, you have no purpose. And I said, really? Like no purpose? And she goes, mm, no, I'm sorry, sweetie. You don't have a purpose. And I was like, oh, I like wanted to go home and like shoot myself. <laughs> like, like that was horrible, you know? And come to find out, she just didn't really like me very much because- I was a mirror for it. Like I, right. she was projecting on me, you know, so she right. saw all her negative qualities in me. Um, but yeah, that was pretty depressing. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but then again, that's her issue. But then the other thing we do is we get so busy that we don't ask those questions or, you know, we're not even, we're not making the time to, to ask those questions. But the thing you said about, you know, the different spiritual leaders, the only thing I want to add to that is that you're not needing to be like anyone else. And yes, we put them all up on pedestals, but all where anyone ever needs to be is completely whoever you're meant to be. And the minute we step out and we try and be like someone else, then we're not being ourselves. And, you know, my say to my kids every day, I'm like, you just need to be you, just be you. And if you can be you, that's a huge accomplishment because it's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. It's just really being yourself, figuring out who that is and sticking with it. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That's the name of my YouTube channel that I I'm making now that they've X'd me out. I'm going to be like a different person and start something. And it's, it's just be, it's be a me, be a me, not a we. And then it's, and then, and then there's also just be you um, that, that I have on there too, for the different generations and stuff that I'm putting on there. But it's, it's, it's so true. You just confirm that for me because it is just be you, but nobody knows who they are. So it's just like stripping away those layers of, and like, oh, okay, I'm this way because I mean, I remember when I was in junior high, I used to walk like this one girl. She was super cute, but she walked really weird. She walked like with her shoulders rolled forward. She was very like manly. Like I remember when I was little, I would like walk like that because I wanted to be like her, you know, like, and, and I'm like thinking like, God, why would I stick my shoulders forward like a football player? But I was trying to be like her because I just thought she was the coolest. But she was so good. She was on my soccer team and my softball team and she was like the best. But I look at pictures back from then. I'm like, gosh, Marissa, put your shoulders back. <laughs> But it's not, I mean, and kids do that all the time. You know, my daughter was swimming in a swim meet and she was swimming hundred I am and she's not a butterfly. She goes out full force in the butterfly because the person she's swimming next to her is a butterfly. So guess what happens? She dies the rest of the race. Cause she went too hard. Cause she was, I said to her, oh, did you okay. swim her race or did you swim your race? I swim her race. I go, well, who are you? You got to be you, you know, did like she you consciously do it or was it? Oh, unconscious? Yeah. No, no, oh, it was okay. totally consciously. It was like, well, both. It was like, I see her and I, and I know she's fast and I want to do what she's doing. So I'm going to do that regardless of the repercussions to me. And the repercussions yeah. were three very more painful laps to finish. After butterfly's that. hard. I, I, I swam for a while and butterfly is like yeah. exhausting, <laughs> but it's just so simple, but we, but we all do that. It's just a simple example of how, you know, mm-hmm. we all do that. We go, Oh, I want to be like them. But I mean, you need to be yourself, whether that's in an athletic event in at home as a parent 
at the workplace, where everywhere you go, I always say everywhere you go, there you are. You yeah. know, can you recognize yourself there? That's the point. You're like, are you recognizing you? you no, know, the guides, Mary's here. She's one of your guides. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm getting like the, the, like more of like the 5D guides. It's like Mary, Mary to me, the name Mary means actually means rebel. I never knew that. Oh, so I didn't know like our, yeah. It's like your, it's like your warrior, like peaceful warrior self. She's like, walks in. She's like, well, I've got something to say. <laughs> She says, Bring she's it, Mary. she comes into class. Everyone's like, oh, uh-oh, Mary's here. Cause she just tells it how it is. And when people have Mary, you, we both have Mary. So she says, she says, this is the most important thing that we must learn today. There's many important things, but this is important. She says, you can actually look outside yourself. And she says, that's, she says, you're not wrong. I just need to add to this. She says, you can look outside yourself and decide what you like about somebody and you can actually look at that trait and see what it is that you like about them because whatever you like about another person you actually have that within you so she's telling me I wanted to be like that girl because she was good at sports but it wasn't the sport being good at sports it was the fact that she was determined and driven and and she was she had you know like a charisma everyone liked her so that's something that I hadn't discovered within myself yet. But instead of walking like her with my shoulders forward, thinking I need to be really good at soccer and softball. But what I was seeing in her was the characteristics of what I already had within me. So Mary's saying, if you can look outside of yourself each day and say, who do I have around me? What do I like about them? And then what don't I like about people? You'll get a good gauge on who you are at any given time and what you want to be. Like if you want to look to see what your purpose is, say, who do I admire right now? Who are the people that I admire? And this is that she's saying to you, because you're kind of like, I don't know what direction I should, you know, should go in. Cause I've all, all these different directions. She says, just ask yourself who you admire and who you really look up to right now and get the basis of what it is that they teach, what they do and go for that. And then if it changes later and you start admiring somebody else, then then you go in that direction. Like me, I was, I admired healers before. And then I started admiring like, like big motivational speakers, like Tony Robbins type people. And now I'm more like looking at people that are like, um, you know, subconscious reprogramming, like little close knit, like little groups where you heal people on a massive scale. Um, and of course, radio show hosts. Cause I love radio show. I'm on radio <laughs> show back, <laughs> but, but yeah, she's saying, she's saying that, that's a good gauge of, of knowing, but so if you want to look outside yourself and see, see who you want to be, actually ask yourself, you know, what is it that you like about them? Because that's going to tell you exactly what it is you should be focusing on that you already have within yourself and just know it's there because if it wasn't there, you wouldn't see it. And if the negative quality wasn't there, you wouldn't see it in the, in the people outside of you. Interesting. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I really like that. Cause it's like, what are you resonating with? What mm-hmm. energy in that person are you resonating with? What quality, what trait, what behaviors, what emotions, and how can you discover that within yourself? That's a brilliant, that's a brilliant. I love it. Thank you, Mary. I <laughs> yeah, I know. I love Mary. She's awesome. She's the only guy. Oh, no, Michael is here. Oh, wait, I know there's a lot of guys here. Never mind. I'm like, whoo, I'm back on my body. <laughs> I just landed. I have a meditation on my website, I think. And if it's not there, I'll put it there. I'd say, um, snow globe meditation, which is really cool because I teach people, me and my dad have a book called the snow globe. And it's, it's like a healing modality that the guides brought to us where it's, it's your entire energy field. So you just say, I, I am now a snow globe. And you try to imagine yourself as a snow globe. And if you can't, 
usually it means you're not in your body. Um, but like my snow globe is always like half of it's cut off and all blown out, like a bomb is blown up inside of it. And then you just ask to be healed and have this light come down over you, which is the Christ light, um, the, like the Holy spirit. Cause I remember my dad's Christian and then your creator self energy. And you have that come down over you, pour over you, and it makes your snow globe perfect again. So you're clearing all your energy, cutting your cords and stuff like that. But I have a meditation that's free on my website for people if they want to connect to their higher self, because I use the snow globe meditation to attune them to their higher self. And then they can ask any yes, no question and get an answer to it by just merely the technique that I teach them. So it's, it's a pretty cool meditation that I just put it for free on, on my site and um, it's free on my Patreon site too. It's like the first post I ever made, but it's a really cool meditation. I've had like thousands of people write to me and be like, I just had the coolest experience. Oh my God. I saw my higher self or this or that, because it's such a silly thing a snow really on a snow globe. Like it's just, it's so dumb that you just have to just kind of like flow with the fact that you're just playing games and your mind is like, okay, this is so dumb. I'm not going to worry about it. You know? And, and, um, people have had really good results with the snow globe and with, um, I created it for kids, but then realized that kids didn't need it. And the parents were having better luck with it <laughs> because kids don't need the visualization, but the parents are like, I'm not clairvoyant. I can't see. I'm like, can you imagine a snow globe in your head? Can you hold one in your hand and look at it? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, just turn that into you see what it looks like, and then just ask it to be cleared. And then it actually clears us. It heals us. Well, we've talked about so many things. So I think what we need to do is figure out what our sparks of wisdom are going to be for today. <laughs> sparks of wisdom. Oh, 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 oh. Sparks of wisdom. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, Marissa. So we've talked about so many different things today. But this is our section of the Sparks of Wisdom. So what Sparks of Wisdom do you have for us today? Sparks of Wisdom that I have for us today would be you are a combination of everybody around you. You have everybody's emotions and feelings surrounding you. So the most important thing that we can do for ourselves is understand what's our emotions and what emotions of other people we're reacting to and we're acting out because most of our drama is other people's drama, especially those that we love, because we'll take on their drama for them, especially if we're like fixers or healers. So I've been an anxious person my entire life. So my spark of wisdom for people is in order to relieve yourself of anxiety, first relieve yourself of other people's stuff by just saying like, you know, the zero heart, zero ground, zero source. And a lot of times I'll just say, I am my divine spark. Take me to wherever I need to be to not feel this anxiety and to not feel other people's stuff. And I'm just asking my higher self to remove anything that doesn't belong to me. And all of a sudden that feeling in my chest just goes, just releases because I used to be very anxious and have panic attacks and stuff. So that's my, I guess that's my spark of wisdom. And then also the other spark of wisdom is that we're a spark of God and that we know everything and we know where we're going. We know what our, our, our passion is. We know where we want to go. We're just sometimes too afraid to admit it because we're afraid of failure or we're afraid of succeeding and, and changing. So embrace what it is that you feel you need to do in this life. And if you need to reel yourself back in, just say, I am my spark, show me my path. And your higher self will just kind of lead you down. I say that all day long. I'm my spark, show me my path. And it's like, oh, oops, I was going the wrong way. And I just kind of turned. And I guess that's it. Awesome. So everyone listening, let those inspiring words start a flame, take that spark and make it a beautiful flame and shine it on out. Marissa, thank you so much for today. This has been so much fun. 
And there is so much wisdom to be had by this conversation. You've shared so many things with us. So for people, can you let them know how to get a hold of you? Um, okay, the best way um, to get a hold of me would be to go to discoverintuition.com. Um, that's my like old free website that I made myself. So it's not like really fancy or anything, but it has my contact information on there. And um, you can just send me information like through the contact form um, if you'd like to reach me. I also have um, Patreon, which is kind of a community. And if you go to um, www.patreon.com forward slash discovering intuition. So it's discovering intuition. You'll go to, you'll go to my Patreon page and we have a cool community over there, like about 200 people. You can actually sign up for it without, with a fake name. I, I started all my spiritual communities when I joined first in spirituality with fake name, because I was too embarrassed, you know, that people would know who I was. Cause I don't know, but um, that's the cool thing about Patreon. We have weekly classes um, on Wednesday nights. I do meditations. I do more advanced classes on Mondays and psychic trainings on Tuesdays. So I have kind of a bunch of classes, um, but, but a good way to start with, with getting in touch with me would be to come over to Patreon, maybe join one of the Wednesday night classes. You get to come free first time. So just contact me and I'll give you a code to get in. But the coolest thing, if you don't want to be involved in a community or talk to me or you know, <laughs> deal with people and you just kind of want to learn and just get a feel for it is, um, I made it free for 30 days for specifically for this podcast, instead of, you know, three three days, which is free for us. It's intuition light. And I made it uh, an actual kind of like a website. That's like kind of like a Netflix. So I've got over a hundred meditations on there. I've got the attunement meditation on there. I've got a chakra challenge where there's all, um, all seven chakras where you can get in touch with all each chakra, clear them out in there. And it's, it's a pretty cool site. It's called intuition light. And it's at dis- um, intuition daily living.com intuitiondailyliving.com. And it's, um, it's a pretty cool site. I, I use it like every single day because <laughs> it's cool. We have it narrowed down to like two minute meditations, five minute and seven minutes. Cause Patreon, if you sign up, you'll have access to over 500 classes and it's just too much. It's, it's like, Whoa, there was way too much. So that's why I made intuition light, which is this, the, this little Netflix thing. So check it out. It's free for 30 days. Just make sure if you don't want to pay, you know, on the, on the, the next month to make sure to just cancel it before those 30 days are up. So they won't charge. Otherwise it's only 25 bucks a month. So it's, it's pretty good. Very cool. Wow. What a bunch of great resources. Thank you so much for that. And again, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Oh, and I do do sessions every once in a while, Um, but I have like seven healers that I work with as assistants, like medical intuitives and stuff like that. So if you want to get a session um, and and you're like lower budget, we do have like financial aid for people and stuff like that too, because my Patreon page is 100%. I don't take any of the money. It goes back towards people so they can get sessions. Cause when I got into this stuff, I was broke and I didn't have any money. So I had to go find all the free ways of, you know, learning. And there's not a lot of free ways and spirituality is pretty expensive. So I'm trying to make it easy for people so that they can, you know, we never turn anyone away because they don't have money. They can always come to class on Wednesday and I try and work with people for sessions too. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you for doing that. That's so generous. That's where we talk about that unconditional love, all those beautiful things. That's definitely putting some love back into the world. Some of my best healers were the ones that couldn't afford it. They're stay-at-home wives that were being beat by their husbands and they couldn't pay the money. Otherwise they get in trouble. They've now left the husband that was beating them. And and I've got four of the girls, you know, that are actual healers now and work with people and change lives every single day. And they, they didn't have a penny to their name. They just traded and helped me. And, and we did an exchange in that way. So some of the people don't have money, but they're here to change the world. So don't let that stop you from contacting us. 
Yes, definitely. Yes. And it doesn't take money to change the world. Money often gets in the way of changing the world. And that's a great point there. Thank you for that reminder. Mm -hmm. So as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Really appreciate your listening. If you have any comments, please feel free to reach out to me. But as always, be you, be love, and be present.